0: Hello and welcome. Pastor Deborah here and welcome to you here on this YouTube channel The Hidden Kingdoms and you who are in the garden of Eden with me, Pastor Deborah. We're beginning another wonderful episode of my story from being a licensed clinical mental health counselor To helping you the Lord's way. Yeah, it's a long journey that I went on. I made the choice one Friday night. Back in 1995 in June. I had been trying to get a Christian counseling job position in a church. To help people through Christianity, spirituality. As a licensed clinical. Mental health counselor. But that was not to be. Now I was out of work. One Friday night. When I got the news. After two weeks of hoping and waiting. To hear the good news. That I was now employed. In a church. So I could help people. Through the Bible. Through the word. Through prayers. I got the word. That was not going to happen. And then God asked me a question right in the foyer of the church a Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida, that was having a worldwide global revival, and it was a Friday night. I had been waiting, anticipating good news. But the assistant secretary to the pastor of the church came up to me and said she had tried so hard talked to other pastors to see if they would put in some money so I could be employed and help their members for free as a Christian counselor. And she said, I'm so sorry, but there just wasn't enough interest in doing that. So that idea which the pastor of Brownsville Assembly of God, Pastor John, had agreed it was a great idea. But it wasn't going to happen. I was heartbroken. Now I had no job. No money. No identity. Nothing. After she left. I could hear the praise and worship music starting. And God asked me. He talked to me directly and said. What are you going to do now? Are you going to walk out that door? Be angry and mad? Because you didn't get a job the way you wanted it? Or are you going to walk through those doors into the sanctuary? And are you going to praise and worship me and come after me? What's your decision? It took me and Anna a nanosecond and I said, I'm coming after you no matter what. I walked through the doors of the sanctuary and my life changed. I left behind licensed clinical mental health counseling to help people having a private practice making money, having a professional identity, having peers and friends in that world, having an office, having my own salary. I walked through the doors, and I gave all that up. And I started learning how to go after God. I was becoming a new creature. I didn't know it. But I was being transformed by this God who invited me, who met me when I was three. It was time for me to go after him, to help people. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I just went into the sanctuary, praised and worshipped, listened to the sermon by Evangelist Steve Hill. On this Friday night His message was Get the sin out Come down to the altar God wants to clean you up Meet you And set you on his way Because he was in a hurry People were dying and going to hell While you're playing around up there And God loves people And he doesn't want them going to hell So you get down to the altar When the altar call was given Go after God. You get cleaned up. And God will work with you and through you to help people. Steve was a wonderful evangelist. He's in heaven now. He had been a part of the Argentine revival uh, back in the, oh, maybe late 80s, early 90s. He saw things that his Assembly of God denomination did not believe in. He saw demonic manifestations, God filling people's mouths up with gold teeth. He saw healings, and he knew there was more to God than what he had learned in his Bible school, Teen Challenge, and what more than what the Assemblies of God had taught him. There was more to God. There was more. And he used to speak to Pastor John Kilpatrick, who was the senior pastor. A Brownsville Assembly of God Church in Pensacola, Florida, by phone and in person throughout the years. And was telling him, there's more to God than we ever knew. There's more. There's more. Pastor John's story and testimony he gave many times was that he was not satisfied. He had a big church, seated a thousand people. He had about a thousand members. He was young. Had two children, played the guitar, was musical. He had seen angels in his youth. He had done prayer meetings all night in the church. He knew there was more, but he hadn't seen it. Oh, he was on television, the radio. He had a good following. People were getting saved and joining the church. But after talking to Steve and hearing Steve's wonderful stories steve was a just an energetic young man a wild stallion and he had been energized by what he saw in this argentine revival steve wasn't even the preacher it was a young man who worked in a nuts and bolts factory and the power of god would come down on those people and when steve got back to the united states he wanted to take that same power and the, of God into the Assembly of God churches. But they didn't want it. They were dead and dry. So slowly Steve sort of dried up. And his story goes, he was going to be over in Belarus to open up a teen challenge. Because he went through one. And he heard about something happening in Scotland. So he flew there. And he was going to meet with the, the pastor of this church. And when he walked in, he said, he saw all these men laying on the floor like he had in Argentine, Argentine, Argentina, excuse me, in the revival he was a part of. And he'd asked the pastor, don't, I don't want to talk to you. Just pray for me. And he got prayer and fell out. It's called being slain in the spirit. Oh, you're not unconscious. It just God takes away all your physical strength. And Steve laid on the floor with the other man in a suit. Well, he came back to his wife, Jerry, who's still alive, and said, God touched me. I have. He, he hasn't gone from me. Let me pray for you. And she said, oh, don't pray for me. I never fall. Well, she fell. And Steve tried to get this into the Assembly of God churches. They wouldn't have it. They were dead, dry. Didn't want this stuff because it might make them look like they're weird. And the Assemblies of God's story is they had been started in what you would call Pentecost. They were dancers, and they spoke in tongues, and they allowed people to sort of run around the sanctuary. They would have demonic manifestations, and a lot of your professional people did not want to join these people of this denomination. So the Assemblies really toned down all of the godly manifestations. And the demonic. Because they wanted to have professional people, doctors and lawyers be their members. So they always felt kind of like they were on the other side of the railroad tracks. They were sort of weird. And they didn't want that anymore. So they toned down all of the spiritual manifestations. So Steve grew up in that. After having a life of drug addiction, jail. He went to a teen challenge. He had been brought up Lutheran. So he believed, but he got way off. And so on this night, when I was challenged, I made a choice. So let me finish with Pastor John's story. Oh, he was on television. He had a great professional life. Lovely family. Brand new church. But he wasn't satisfied. Steve's infectious nature and spirit was calling to Pastor Kilpatrick that there's more to God than what you have. There's more. There's more. Now, Pastor John knew that as a child. But he hadn't seen the supernatural, the powerful spiritual manifestation of God in many years. He had cast out devils. He had seen a manifest in his church. Over the years, but they kept it quiet So the story of Pastor John Kilpatrick was He went into his church one night Threw his keys down on the altar said he was done Unless there was more to God And he could see it and participate in it He was finished He was not satisfied And until you get at that point in your life And you are not satisfied with the way things are. And you have been hearing from someone. Like a Steve. That there is more to God than you ever imagined. There's more. And until you are ready to throw your keys out. And down. And say I'm done with this. I don't want this anymore. I'm out of here. Unless I see. And know there's more. Well, Steve was invited to come up to Brownsville to speak on, I think, Sunday night. He was going to talk because Pastor Kilpatrick's mother had passed away about six weeks earlier. He was still emotionally devastated. Him and his mom had uh, lived a sort of rough life. He was her only son. He was very tired, emotionally still weak. And he really couldn't teach or preach. So he asked Steve to come over, who was Assembly of God, uh, from Texas. He was living in Texas at the time, to come over and preach Sunday night in the church. So Steve came over, and had a meal, sat down with Pastor John and his wife, Brenda, on Saturday night. And Kilpatrick said, look, I'm, hey man, I'm just emotionally devastated. I don't think I could... Even do it Sunday morning on Father's Day. Could you please teach and preach for me? I'm just still emotionally exhausted. So Steve agreed. So he comes out. And it's on the YouTube. I think I have it on the website as well. Came out as a wild stallion. Started telling his story about Argentina. The moving of God. The revival, his story of being revived. And he asked, did they want it? Now, Pastor John, because he had about two years before that and had been listening to Steve's stories about God and movings of God and that there was more. God finally spoke to Pastor John two years ago. Maybe. Maybe that would have been about 1993. And told John, I will come visit you. Change your order of service. Sunday night will not be teaching. It will be Holy Communion. Start having this man named Dick Rubin, who was a Jewish, Messianic Jew. His teaching was he would bring an altar of gold. And he would teach on the altar of sacrifice of the Jews. He would burn incense and you would come down and touch the horns of the altar. Dick Rubin did Passovers, Messianic Jewish Passover meals with the church. So the church was becoming immersed in Jewish tradition from a Messianic Jew, Dick Rubin, for a couple years. Pastor John was changing Sunday night. From a teaching to just Holy Communion. He began prayers. A prayer night. He, be, he had. God had instructed him. To create these big banners. And once a week you come to the church. And you go focus at a banner. Might be schools, politicians, families. Church, children. And you pray. So they were having prayer meetings. Now, Pastor John knew if he did this, he would lose members. But God assured him he would gain others. So Pastor John changed his order of service, did the prayer meetings with the banners, had Dick Rubin come, and they would have teachings on the different festivals, the Passovers. They actually had the altar that Dick had, and he'd burn incense and teach. And you would come up one by one, and put your sin on the altar over, and you would touch the horn. All of this was years of preparation for the people of Brownsville, the ushers, the greeters, the members, Pastor John, the children's church, the youth people. Then came Steve, Sunday morning, 1995, Father's Day. What a day. Steve was so infectious, joyful, full of life. He asked everybody to come forward for prayer. They were ready. They'd had two years with Pastor John, getting ready to be touched by God. I didn't know this story on this Friday night that would change my life. But it took these two men, a whole church, Changing things, seeking God, going after God to change Pastor Deborah's life. Right here in Pensacola, I never had to travel anywhere except maybe five miles down the road. My son, James, he grew up in it. He was about 10 years old when it started. I was about 40. So on Father's Day, outpouring, Steve started moving through the crowd saying, Touch him, God. Touch him, God. Touch him. Now, now. Fire, fire. The power of God and the fire came down. It hit Pastor John Kilpatrick. He laid out on the stairs. Couldn't move. Steve carried the whole service, the prayer time. They couldn't even leave the church, most of them. Sunday to go home and have dinner for Father's Day. Pastor John's wife, Brenda, said she wasn't leaving. She didn't want to miss God. Have you ever been that desperate? (laughs) That you don't want to leave because you would miss God? Do you have those kind of pastors in your life that prepare you? You don't know what you're getting prepared for? He's willing to change his services, times, have you at church praying? But that was all preparation. The power of God came through Steve, not through the pastor. When I finally heard about it, it was probably a couple, six weeks later, I think, something like that. It's in the newspaper. People laid out on the floor in the church. My family encouraged me to go one Friday night. I was never the same. I got touched, laid out on the floor in a dress. Went to the altar, cried. For what? I don't know. And all they did was put their little hands right here and said, touch her, Lord. More of the Lord. Boom. And I grew up in that. You'll see a lot of the videos, the music, people were the praise and worship, Lindell Cooley. He wasn't there at the time. The night I went, we had two choirs. I had never been in a sanctuary of a thousand people full. Changed my life. So this night. On Friday night. Very early on. I'm asked by God. Am I coming after him? I knew what was going on in the service. Or was I going to leave? I chose to go after God. And my life began changing. I saw things I'd never seen before. Demonic spirits manifesting. I got on the prayer team. power of God was moving through me after I had been touched. It was hot. I sweated. I shook. The power of God was so powerful. Now, was it coming through me? It was coming from the Holy Spirit out of me, exploding to touch other people. Then I got on the deliverance team. I learned how to bind up spirits, cast them out, people, Christians. I had to learn the difference between a demonic manifestation, one of the Holy Spirit or flesh. I saw some of the weirdest stuff that you would think was mental illness and needed to have a straitjacket. But I was never afraid. I was going after God. I knew he was with me. And that's how this story, its time, began powerful i was in church six and seven nights a week for hours early years we didn't leave church till 2:30 in the morning i used to lay out on the floor under the power of god called the glory blanket for two and a half hours every night every night my son stayed away for a year. He he didn't really like it. Didn't Once he got in it, he got in it. He it grew up in audio and television, computers, IT, children's church, youth church. My husband wasn't called to it. He went once with his family, his mother and father and sister. He was Lutheran. He was saved. But that just wasn't his thing. It was mine. So I went every night. Loved it. It was on the radio. Then it got on television. We had international, global television reporters come. We got on ABC News 2020. We had cameras on us all the time. Us females had to wear dresses or pants with jackets. We had certain dress codes. We had rules. Got to know Steve. It was wonderful. Many churches are hoping that will happen in their church. They're hoping to be global, worldwide, and have a lot of people come. And it does around the world. But eventually, after you sort of get, (laughs) what's the word, on fire, God will move you. So this story, It's Time, began that night. When I walk through the doors into the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. This is going to be part number four. Here on the story number 28. It's time. And let's give Pixabay a wonderful thank you for this beautiful motion video that I got for free. We want to thank Zoom Pro. Because that's who I record through. And Wondershare for Mora. My video editing. I use a Yeti microphone. And I use a Logatron camera. And I'm sitting in my living room. At a door. With the shade down. And it is Sunday morning. And it's quiet. So I'm recording. At least this story. Part 4. What you'll learn about this story. It has a lot of scriptures to it. Which helped me to understand. After I went through it. I remember getting up for several nights. I think. And I'd sit down at my desk. And I would just write. It was I wasn't writing it. God was writing through me. Finding the scriptures. And when it was over. It was like. I was just. I really wasn't observing it. He was doing the work. He wants the story out. For you to hear. So here in this School of Light, The Kingdom of Agape Love, Volume 1, a true story about me, Pastor Deborah, and my transformation from being Jan to being Pastor Deborah, from being a licensed clinical mental health counselor to a global spiritual master teacher, spiritual shepherd, mother, pastor, royal priest, king, And the offspring of God himself. Was going to begin. So let's open up first with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for all of those. Who have come here. To watch this teaching. This story of Pastor Deborah. It's almost unbelievable. And I'm going to go slow Father for them. I'm going to use your word. To explain so much. About the transformation. From Jan to Deborah. That you showed me. You led me through. You helped me to understand. This transformation. From being the old me. Who was sinful. Who had already died. But didn't know it. To bring it into reality. Within me. And then to help me bury Jan. In the grave. And to allow Pastor Deborah. To arise. Within my spirit, soul. And my words. So that Jan had passed away. Thank you father for teaching me that. I was like a disassociated person. The me who you desired me to be wasn't there yet. It had to be created. Through experience and teaching. The word of God. And personal experience. Deborah had to arise. Jan had to go away. Die by my own hands and thank you for teaching me about this through the three faces of Eve with Joanne Woodward. When I saw that, an Eve white and Eve black passed away and a new creature, Jane, arose based on love and hope. So I learned the old must pass away and a new one must arise. Thank you, Father, for writing this story through me so that you will be glorified and help others the Lord's way. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. As I said, this is part number four of story number 28. It's time. We were working through scriptures that were the backbone, the guiding light for me in understanding. Now, during this time of my transformation, how it began was after I'd been in Brownsville Revival for a while, and I'd read the Bible over and over again, and it had become alive to me. I read the story of Abraham and Isaac. When God asked Abraham, how much do you love me? Will you obey me? Will you take your son, your only son? Up to the mountaintop. Isaac. And will you kill him. In obedience. And showing your love to me. I was asked the same thing. How much I loved you. And would I sacrifice my son. By being skinned alive. In a satanic mating. By this time when I'm asked this. I knew about that. And would I be willing to go. And be put on a cross. And crucified. Like Christ Jesus was. For you. I was being tested. Did I love you. Or myself. Did I love you. Or my son. Was life more important to me. Than your life. Test time. I was asked that one day. Just walking down my hall. I said sir. I loved them. I knew my son at 10 was already saved. He'd go to heaven. I was saved. I'd be in heaven. You were more important to me because of the influence of Steve Hill. I knew you were dying and going to hell, and God was in a hurry. I knew God had given me the Bible, and all the people in it were examples to me. I was put to the test. What was more important to me? My life, my son's life? Or you. Did I love you. As much as I said I did. Did I want to help you. The Lord's way. As much as I said I did. Would I prove it. By dying on a cross. My answer was yes Lord I would. I killed my son in my own heart. Brought the knife down. My son and I's relationship. He didn't know it. He's never heard this story. It's never emotionally been the same. I died. Jan died. That was Jan at the time. And you need to know that because later on in the story, you're going to hear about this. Jan was willing to die for you. Yes. Many of us are asked that, sort of. We don't recognize it. But God had to test me. And my love for him and you. Like Abraham. Before he could really begin. So I killed myself. I allow myself. In my heart to die. So you could live. So what was happening. I was asked that question. That's another story. That you'll read about. And here, in the Kingdom of a God Beloved, Volume 1. So now, God's beginning to do the transition. He even ordered me to stay at home for two years. Before this time, first came the request. How much was it worth? Your life to me. My sons and mine. Yes. Then a few years later, he said, stay at home, and I need to heal you. I go from what? Forty years of ick. Stayed home for two years. How did I survive that? After being in the revival? I remembered a story about Martin Luther. The man who challenged the Catholic Church in his 95 theses. He was a teacher. He found out that you had to live just by faith, not by anything else great story wonderful movies Martin Luther when he had just challenged the Catholic Church they wanted to kill him so a king who loved him kidnapped him put him in a castle and there Martin Luther stayed for two years and he translated the German Bible the Latin Vulgate Bible into German language So I said to myself, if he can stay in a castle for two years, writing, translating, I can write. And that's what I did. I wrote most of these stories, communed with God, studied the Bible, watched movies, walked around the yard, walked in the neighborhood. God was doing something. Then when it was time for this transformation to occur, It began when my father at 90 years old Fell and broke his neck I had to become his Legal power of attorney Financially And in order to do that I had to send in my driver's license My military ID And use my full name Deborah was my first name So the transformation Out in the world In the flesh had begun During this time As the old me had started dying and during this transformation, I went through all my photo albums from high school. Anything that connected with Jan. I even had made a, had a thing on the wall about my Jan's marriage. Shredded that up because Deborah did not marry Jan's husband. That was Jan's. I cut up pictures, got rid of things that for Jan's. Had a ceremony. A funeral for Jan. Put Jan in a box. In my heart. Buried her. And Pastor Deborah started arising. Then I was tested. You'll hear about that. But right now we're just going to work through the scriptures that God gave me. So I could see what was happening. Mm-hmm. In its time. So we're going to begin part four. Thank you, Father, for helping us. For using Isaiah 61 and 62 and the Hebrews 4.12, a spiritual circumcision. Thank you for transforming me into the you that you want me to be. Thank you for helping me, even when I didn't know you were. Thank you for giving me this experience So I can help abuse people let go of the past and I can teach on transformation and what it looks like and how it works. Thank you, Father, for this story of me becoming Deborah. Thank you. So it will help them so they can let go of the old. And the new can arise. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Alright. We're going to pick up in a scripture. Isaiah 60. Verse 18. This is from the authorized King James Bible. Verse 18. Violence. War between the spirit and the flesh. And the spiritual man and demonic spirits shall no more be heard done in your land of spirit and soul, your spiritual heart and mind. No more spiritual wasting away nor destruction within your spiritual borders of your spiritual heart and mind. My city. Of peace. The new Jerusalem. God had to teach me. When I read the word. He's talking about inside my spirit. The relationship with my helpmate. My soul. And what's going on inside here. You might not know. When he speaks of the new Jerusalem. It means city of peace. Inside here. We learn from the word that the kingdom of heaven is inside of us our spirit and inside of our spirit god wants his holy of holies the temple he wants to build a city where he resides where he is glorified honored praised and worshiped so when you look at the old testament And you see cities with gates. You see temples, altars. He wants that framework in your spirit. Then you build it in your soul. I was having to learn this. This was not taught in mental health counseling. It was not even taught in the church. So he has said, this violence shall no more be heard in your land. And this transformation was going to finalize and occur. The violence that was inside of me, through Jan, would be ended. He wouldn't hear any more violence spiritually. The destruction, the wasting away, the powerlessness of Jan. Within my spiritual borders, my soul would end. And there would be a new city for him to live in. A new temple in my spirit. A holy of holies where he would live in. And his light would shine out to my spirit. And my spirit would release it in light to my soul. My helpmate. Transforming it. From Jan to Deborah. This was deep stuff I was learning. This is not taught in mental health counseling. They don't deal with the spirit. They don't deal with the higher powers. They don't understand how to help the soul. The mental part of us. But you. That was going to be Pastor Deborah. Shall call your spiritual walls of my spirit salvation and your spiritual gates of your spirit. My city, the new Jerusalem, my new spiritual heart identity, Deborah. My new mind of my soul, Deborah, not Jan. The mind of my new Jerusalem, the walls, the foundation, were going from Jan to Deborah. The city of peace could be built now. And the kingdom of heaven would be there. And where my sanctuary, the Lord was saying here in this scripture is and where I will spiritually desire to dwell for all eternity. Where I can rest from my work. God has work to do inside of us. He wants to be with us, commune with us, teach us, love us spiritually. And he has to rebuild our spirits. Our spiritual minds—that city, where he wants to be, there has to be a new temple, a holy a holies. Now, when you get born again, it's there in baby form. It has to be built. I didn't know that. I was living out of Jan, out of the, my soul. Now, how Jan got created? That was my middle name. My first name was Deborah, Deborah Chan. I had never been called Deborah, never used it. I was either a Deb or a Debbie. But in the fifth grade, when my family moved to Gunter Air Force Base in Montgomery, Alabama, I went into the fifth grade at Dalreda Elementary School. We had just moved from Illinois, Peoria. My father was active duty Air Force. He was a lieutenant colonel, and he was working on Gunter Air Force Base. So I walked into the fifth grade. They were going to introduce me because us military kids were always used to coming in at different times of the year. We always filled out the blue card because the federal government would have to pay the property taxes because we usually lived on military bases and paid no property taxes. They had to count how many military kids So I walked into the fifth grade And my fifth grade teacher Was actually had gone to uh, Was a retired military person I believe I think his name was Mr. Salter Not sure And they introduced me And they introduced that there was already Three or four Debbies In the classroom So I said "Oh, My name is Jan Right then and there I was transformed, took on the identity of Jan, who had never existed before. Went home to my family and said, I decided to change my name to Jan. Could you call me that instead of Deb? That's usually what they call me, Deb. Why, I don't know. Don't know who I was named after. Don't know where Deborah came from. So I said, I'm Jan now. From the fifth grade on, Jan developed. She was became evil, wicked, immoral,-, mm-hmm. that was my soul, but God wanted to do a work in me in my spirit. I didn't know that in the fifth grade, yeah, so here in this scripture, we are learning God wants to build something in us, something new in our spirit, a city with a sanctuary, a holy of holies. Where he can reside. Remember it's his spirit. His Holy Spirit. He's too big to come down here. So he wants to rule and reign. In the unseen world. In us. Spiritually. Through the Holy Spirit. So he's kind of by location. He's doing astral projection. He's moving out of his body. His real body's somewhere. In the third heaven. So he's in his spirit. He's having an out-of-body experience inside of me. So he wants to live in us spiritually. And that was the pattern. And our spiritual adversary, Satan, knows that. So he'll put his own Holy Spirit, which is unholy, inside of us if he can. And he does that with people in the occult. And his multi-generational Satanists, they have an unholy spirit in their spirit. They have a whole city. They have a Jerusalem, a city of peace where Satan himself can reside. That's some other stories. So God was showing me, at the time, some things had to change inside of me. Isaiah 26, verse 1. In that day shall this song be sung, the day of the new Jerusalem, in the land of Judah. Judah meant praise. In the spiritual heart and mind and soul of my spiritually redeemed, spiritual children, child. God wants to do that inside of Pastor Deborah. I wasn't Deborah at the time. My soul was ruling me, Jan. My spirit was a baby, an infant, probably still wearing diapers. But through the word of God, he is trying to speak to me, prophesy to me what he wants to do spiritually inside of me. He says in that day when he builds his new Jerusalem, his new city in my spirit, where he can settle down, have his own place, his own home, his own bed. The Holy of Holies. He says in that day. There'll be a song that's sung. To the Lord. There'll be singing. In this land of Judah. The land of praise. And the spiritual heart and soul. Will be happy. He's telling me. Because I will have recognized. That both my spirit. And my soul have been redeemed. We, the song will sing, my thoughts will be. We have a strong city, a spiritually redeemed and renewed spiritual heart and mind and soul. That's what God considers His city, where He wants to shine out of our spirit and our soul. Salvation will God appoint for walls. And bulwarks Foundations Strong foundations The walls It would be strong Pastor Deborah would be stronger than Jan Tougher He would build walls To protect my spirit Protect his city He was wanting to do a work Inside of me Now when all this started Back in Brownsville I didn't know that I was getting transformed By laying on the floor By God's power and presence And glory blankets What we called it Just washing over me Waves, waves, waves Of heat and God's glory How I explain it I understand a heroin addict I was addicted to the glory of the Lord Never hurt me. Some people would jump for joy. Dance. I laid on the floor. Eyes closed. Could hear everything. Ways of glory. A power. Just being released. From the Holy Spirit. Into my spirit. Sort of like getting an IV drip. In the hospital. When you're almost dead. Getting little sips of water when you're dehydrated. Little by little, night by night, God was renewing, strengthening, calling my spirit. It was a mess. Now we go to Proverbs 25, 28. This was written by King Solomon, the third king of ancient Israel. King David's son by Bathsheba. Verse 28. He that has no spiritual rulership, kingship, authority, dominion, management, leadership over his own spirit, his own heart, mind, and soul, is like a city that is broken down. And without walls. So if you have no spiritual rulership over your spirit, if God is not there ruling it, somebody else will be. If you cannot arise, close the gates in your spirit. Then he says, your spirit and your soul, it's like a city. The walls have been broken down. And without walls. How did I learn what that looked like? Study when Israel was overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar in the days of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Study it. When temples are torn down by another, he is saying, when you are not strong, when he has not built his city of peace, when he has not built up your spirit and your soul is weak, he looks at you in his mind as a city. The outer walls, your soul, are broken down. The gates are wide open. Anything and anybody can come in. Your physical body is not strong. It's subjected to everything. You have no walls to protect your spirit. Your spirit has no walls. You're not a guarded fortress for him to live in. That was the condition of Jan. When I was asked, would I die? He was saying, are you ready to let go? We have to destroy the Jan that you created and build a new city within. Would I go after God? And that began my transformation for what was to come years later. When he tells me one night up in Pittsburgh, it's time. I knew what that meant. You'll hear about it. I would lay down on my bed and said my goodbyes to my son. I knew I was going to leave my body and be put in a satanic meeting. And Satan himself, to fulfill my own words of, yes, I would die for them, was going to kill me. And when my son came back from church that night, he would find me. I would be dead in my bed. And I would have died of natural causes. When he told me it's time, I knew it was time for me to go and sacrifice myself and be killed for you. And I was willing to do it. Because I saw the love he had for your He gave it to me. He gave me a mother's heart for you. So he could turn your heart to him. And then he asked me, would I die for you? Would I lay on the grenade to save you? Would I lay on the barbed wire? Would I go into foreign lands? Face the enemy to free you. Were you worth that much to me? More than my own son or my own life and I could only answer after years in Brownsville and seeing the power of God and how much he loved you, that yes, I could, and I would. I was a soldier. i a soldier's family, military. My duty was to set captives free and go and die. Sacrifice myself for you. My shoulders had been prepared to carry the weight of death, my own self, so you could live and be free. It's time is a powerful story of sacrifice, death, about you and a God that loves you so much. He went himself. His son went, he went, They went to a cross. So you could live. And I was challenged with the same test. How much did I love you? Did I have enough. Of a mother's love in me. To cover you. Protect you. Die for you. Give you the last water. The last piece of bread. So you could live. Would I choose your life over my own? It's time is that story of how I slowly changed from a selfish, immoral, horrible person, Jan, to being Pastor Deborah, a new creature in Christ. And I want to end right here. You need to know That it's time. It's really about you. It's about Pastor Deborah's sacrifice. And killing of Jan. To save you. For him. He was in a hurry. He needed partners and helpers. But we have to be tested and tried in our loyalty and faith. And our love. For you. I went through it. And when Jan died and Deborah arose, you'll hear how it did. I was a new creature in Christ. The old had passed away. Jan was dead. And Deborah came alive. God could now build his powerful new city of Jerusalem. Deborah arose, a king, a mighty soldier. Even an offspring of a god, herself, a royal priest, a king, a warrior, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, a mama. It's time tells this story. And in volume two, you'll hear about the many unexplainable, powerful, true stories of helping people as Pastor Deborah. Even though I didn't know it, a lot of it was done as Jan. But Jan had to pass away. She was an old thing. And she had to die. So you be encouraged. There's newness of life for you. There's hope. There's healing. You can arise as Pastor Deborah did. You can arise as the sun does every day. You can reach and shine out through the clouds for others. You can be a partner with God. You too. When it's time. I hope you will have the courage, strength to die for others. Even if it's just within yourself and to let go of the past. and Let go of disassociative parts, memories of who you were. And let God create the new you. Maybe with a new name. I can talk about Chance life. But it's not me. And you'll hear about that. So father be about your work in their lives. Isaiah 61 and 62. Build a new city of Jerusalem within them. Strengthen their walls. So you can settle down. In your holy holies. Father be about your work. As you've always desired. In all of humanity. Even in the babies in the womb. The children. The infants. The teens. The adults. Father be about your work. Bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay. I'll see you in the next part. Should be part number five. of story number 28. It's time. I'll see you on the next part episode bye